VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Let's play two. Welcome into this edition of the Cubs Talk Podcast. We are in the virtual podcasting studio powered by our friends at PointsBets. I am James DeVoe from NBC5 Chicago, and with me today is Nate Poppin of NBC Sports Chicago. I believe in Mike Allardyce's office at the uh, RSN, if I can see that correctly, the skyline behind you. Yeah, you have good eyes there, yeah. (laughs) Also wearing an NIL hat. Are you a college athlete today? Oh, no. See, everybody goes with the NIL, but it's actually a punk band from uh, Hamilton, Ontario. So, okay. uh, yeah. Very nice. Um, you had to have been conflicted the other day when the Cubs played uh, Canada in uh, spring training action, if you're rooting on uh, Hamilton-based punk bands. Well, Hamilton's basically Detroit, so uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, anything anything that close, you know. All the people live uh, right next to the border, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it was interesting seeing uh, Owen Kaisi uh, suiting mm-hmm. up for the the Canadian team against the Cubs in an exhibition. That was, you know, uh, entertaining. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know if it was, you know, to the level of a uh, spring normal spring training game, but it was good to see Bellinger, you know, with some. Oh pop. yeah. Showed had his first home run of the spring. Got to see Freddie Freeman get in there for the Canadian squad. Uh, yeah, hoping they can mix it up a little bit in spring training. I think, and then in the World Baseball Classic. And speaking of that tournament, what better way to start this podcast off, man? We can talk about WBC. It is underway. I've been watching a little bit of the action. Watched uh, Netherlands and Cuba. Watched the Netherlands again last night. Uh, the fans in Taiwan crazy about baseball, man. It is so fun watching those games they are so rambunctious and so loud I, I love that like kind of I'd almost call it like a soccer like atmosphere around the games just with all like the vuvuzelas and the the really audibly loud chants the prompts from the PA announcers like everything about it was awesome watching that and I think it's always cool to see the game played on those stages in Taiwan and Japan. I know there are a lot of baseball fans who love watching those leagues uh, play their games because of that uh, fan passion and getting to display it for the whole world. I know everybody likes to talk about the MLB players that are in this tournament, but I just, I think that kind of stuff just makes the WBC special and it really jazzes me up about the whole tournament. Yeah, actually, I've got a couple of friends that have been to, you know, a couple league games in in Japan and Taiwan. And it's it's on my bucket list of things to do because, I mean, everything they've said about the experience, all the video I've seen, pictures, it's it's an incredible uh, atmosphere. And like you said, you know, what better setting for the WBC than Taiwan? Uh, I think, you know, it, it it's probably looking like uh, Dominican or 
I'd say I, I could see USA pulling it out mm-hmm. actually. Uh, but the D- Dominicans are the uh, are the uh, heavy favorites so far. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, just you look at their roster. They've got Sandy Alcantara who pitches for them. They've got some guy named Rafael Devers. They've got Manny El- Manny Machado, Eloy Jimenez, Julio Rodriguez, Juan Flippin Soto. Like yeah, not that fair. Dominican team is stacked, man. They are so they're going to be so tough to beat. But I also do have to say, you've got a U.S. roster with Mike Trout and Mookie Betts on it. That's not bad. Not bad for a defending champion with the USA. So are you going with Dominican Republic? Do you think that's the direction you're to go for your uh, pick to win this whole thing? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of questionable beyond Alcantara what type of pitching they're going to get on a consistent basis. But you could say the same thing for Team USA, too. Hey, Adam uh, Wainwright's pitching that opener. That clearly <laughs> shows the strength of their rotation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, that, how old is he? Uh Dirt, I think. It's, 40, no, I shouldn't at say least. that. He's got to be close to 40. Yeah. I, yeah I as somebody who's 37 years old, I should not cast aspersions on those <laughs> who are um, getting up there in age a little bit and who are you know, mostly rooting for players that are younger than them nowadays. But I, I do want to also, I would like to throw out an idea and please disavow me of this if you think I'm nuts. Puerto Rico as a dark horse contender. I know that everybody knows about Javi Baez and Francisco Lindor. They also have Edwin Diaz on the roster. They've got Kike Hernandez. They got Christian Vasquez, Nelson Velasquez from the Cubs also on the Puerto Rico roster. And oh yeah, some dude named Marcus Stroman who happened to be the MVP of the entire tournament in 2017, just throwing it out there that they also have those guys. So Count me among those who's kind of bandwagoning a little bit for Puerto Rico in this tournament. No, I I actually definitely agree. I think it's always fun to root for Javi. I mean, and like you said, you ran down the list of names. That there's not too many rosters that are, you know, more stacked than they are. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Strocho, I mean, he's got the history. He's got the experience. He's having a pretty you know good spring start to the or uh, with with the cubs here so mm-hmm. i could i would not be shocked to see them win at all i will say there is a little part of me that dies a little inside because i am rooting for a team helmed by yadier molina to potentially win the world baseball classic um I, i'll let the listeners determine whether or not i have to kind of turn over my uh, fan card because of this infraction but uh i'll turn to you as an independent arbiter in this instance do you think that i'm uh sinning by doing that by rooting for a team that's led by yadier molina no, not at all. In fact, you know, if you rem- remember the last WBC, one of the best highlights from Baez, the entire, you know, tournament was the no look tag. Oh, yeah. Ta- or tags, actually. I think it was multiple. Yes. And on the perfect throws from Yachty and literally pointing you know, at Yachty or Molina as the ball came to him. Yeah, like before the, I mean, it was incredible. Indelible m- images. I, I actually got to go to a game, a couple of games during the 2017 WBC and got to see Puerto Rico play and got to see Marcus Stroman pitch for Team USA. And yeah, man, it was awesome. I, I love that experience. I definitely want to get back to a game. I was hoping to go to Phoenix uh, this spring, but some other stuff got in the way. I'm going to Nashville for a Blackhawks game. So I, I, I don't know why I decided that would be a better option, but hey, I'm never going to say no to a trip to uh, the Music City. Do also want to mention before we kind of get to our other little side tangent street here on the World Baseball Classic, 
Mash Mervis playing for Team Israel. You going to be watching any of uh, their games? Uh, I'm not sure when they're going to be airing them. Like as far as live, uh, I will definitely try to, you know, DVR as many as I can and and definitely been watching the highlights so far. Mm-hmm. I, I DVR'd the first couple of games and I think I caught highlights from yesterday's game. I always forget how many players like our good players are on the Netherlands team. I remember when Andrew Jones always played for them and that was always a big deal, but they've got Andrelton Simmons on that team. They've got Xander Bogarts on that team. Yuena Cespedes is on that team. Like there are a lot of really good players suiting up for the Dutch and they've looked really solid so far in the tournament and dare I say might have one of the best hats in the tournament too. Like I know that, you know, I've established myself as quite the hat connoisseur here. Um, but that's definitely something else that kind of drew me to that Dutch side. They've looked really solid. So you're looking forward to that when you see that on the DVR. Yeah. And I love how much fun they're having, you know, with the uniform design too. I wish, uh, Except for Canada, but I'm not getting into that. Yeah, yeah, it's a little basic. Uh, <laughs> just, just the solid red, basically, right? Yeah, pretty That's much. I the uh, I, I honestly, I thought that they could have done a lot more with their jerseys. I know Great Britain's caught a little bit of flack for theirs, but hey, there are still some good looks uh, from a sartorial perspective in this tournament. And speaking of just ways of looking at the tournaments. It's almost like a time capsule now because you're getting to watch the game played with the old rules, sans pitch clocks, sans, like shifts are allowed. The bases are regular size. Watching these games and then comparing them to the games we have watched so far in spring training. It's a little bit jarring, man. It's really it's been really crazy going back and forth between these two styles of play. And I've been kind of left to grapple with that question of which one I like better, because I know there's like the big traditional side of things that people are really, you know, they love kind of the slower cadence of baseball and they question how many fans are going to be brought in if it's sped up. But man, I got to tell you, it's been a real experience watching it and comparing it to what we're seeing on MLB fields this spring. Yeah, I'll actually have to go back and uh, look at some of the numbers as far as, you know, total game time and uh, average speed, you know, back to home plate. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm actually not like on either side of the fence as far as like the new rules go. Like I'm going to love and watch baseball no matter what. Um I, I can see, you know, obviously the the arguments behind, you know, oh, you know, you you only want to have fifteen to twenty seconds between each pitch. You don't want to have like the the forty the forty seconds between action, you know, because mm-hmm. you you know obviously you're trying to grow grow your game and it and expand your market to uh, more demographics. But you know, I'm I'm of the thinking that like I'm for me personally, I'm just gonna love watching the game no matter what it's a it's a great uh great sport as is um Mm. and hopefully these you know these rule changes make it better um but that remains to be seen until we actually start playing real games you know the the controversy around these games ending (laughs) on uh (laughs) on calls early in spring yeah i'm 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 flashing forward to uh to the first week in uh in april there and that's I don't know. That 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 might be a little bit of a of a uh, a come to Jesus moment at that point. 
Well, I mean, it's I guess it'd be similar to games ending on box, right? Like, I think that that's always something that Major League umpires have probably tried to avoid at least a little bit. I know you have to call the rule as you see it. You shouldn't be changing the way you call a game as it goes along. Like, that's something that the NFL and NBA both get criticized on frequently because officials kind of tighten up and don't want to call as many penalties as the game comes along. But I, I get the sense that teams are already kind of getting used to all of the new rules. I think that we've seen the Boston Red Sox. They've started to kind of shift their outfielders when they're facing a dead pull hitter because you're still legally allowed to do that. You don't have to have a left fielder or right fielder out there on a given out. I think that that's a very interesting uh, strategy that they're using with that. I I think that... I question how many new fans are going to be drawn to baseball just because of the fact that the games are faster. I think that maybe you start, you stop hemorrhaging fans who are kind of leaving because they're bored. I think that's probably the bigger goal that would be kind of achieved by speeding the games up. I frankly think that any of these ideas that are designed to increase offense, whether it's the larger bases, um, the banning of the shift, I think that that kind of stuff, And then stuff that teams like the Savannah Bananas are doing where they're just kind of looking to change up the game a little bit and trying to change up the fan experience. I think that's the kind of stuff that you really have to do to earn the new fans is to improve that fan experience. And I think that focusing on stuff like that and maybe emulating a little bit of what we've seen in like Taiwan and Japan during the World Baseball Classic. I think that's the kind of the next step in this evolution. And I think that the rule changes that they've made are going to be good for keeping fans they need to go step further to kind of generate new ones yeah i i would agree with you there i think you know it's a little too simplistic to look back at say you know the 98 home run race and think you know that was when you expanded your fan base a lot mm-hmm. but it also coincided with, sided with the uh the steroid era uh yeah. but just looking at it as okay so we're gonna limit the shift and we're gonna uh you know, institute the pitch clock and the, and the batter's box clock that doesn't necessarily guarantee that there's going to be more offense, but also the fact that you're just, you're adding more offense to the game more action doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to result in what happened in 98. You know, it's, it's, right. it's not a guarantee because we're in a totally different world now. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, TikTok wasn't <laughs> obviously around back then. I just think that sports are so based on star power now. Like you, I think you've seen that for years in the NBA and you're seeing that a lot play out a lot in the NFL too, where like some of the biggest stars in the game are the ones that are kind of drawing the biggest followings, right? You're looking at, you know, Travis Kelsey hosting SNL. You're looking at people obsessing over Patrick Mahomes. You're seeing them go and play in these other markets overseas, you see Tom Brady playing in Germany. You're going to see Pat Mahomes go play in Germany this season, potentially against the bears. Fingers crossed. I think that would be a really cool experience to go see the bears and chiefs in like Munich or something. But I I think that there's a lot that baseball needs to do to kind of keep with the times. And I think that some of the changes they've made are hopefully, like I said, just going to, I think, as long as you're looking at it through the prism of keeping the fans that you have, I do think that there is some validity to these new rules. And I think that contrasting it with what we've seen in the world baseball classic has kind of really driven that point home for me. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, um, I think like you said, with star power, 
you know, I, I don't I don't know that we're to that level yet with really anyone playing in the MLB right if now. If Mike Trout walks by you on the street, do you recognize him if you're a casual sports fan? I don't know if you do. I don't know that unless you're already a huge baseball fan. I don't I don't, I don't really think you do. I think a like, lot of people would recognize Pat Mahomes. I think a lot of people yeah. would recognize LeBron James. It's just it's mind blowing to me that Mike Trout plays in the second largest media market in the country. And he can probably dwell in relative anonymity no matter where he goes. Yeah. And like, I don't know that you could say the same for Aaron Judge because he's like, you know, seven feet. Yeah, he kind of stands so out a little bit. He stands like, out a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, like like you said, with 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 Trout, I mean. I honestly don't think I'd say maybe three out of 10 people that are casual sports fans would probably like be like, oh, yeah, that's Mike Trout. I would be and very he's like curious. The, he's the best that. player in baseball. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and has been for quite a while. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Yeah. Um, speaking of rule changes, I thought this was kind of an interesting segue because we both, you and I both read a really good column by Maddie Lee in the Chicago Sun-Times about Dansby Swanson and the way that he kind of has approached playing shortstop in his big league career and the accelerated pitch clock is maybe having a little bit of an impact on the way that he kind of approaches his defensive responsibilities. He tries to call games along with the pitcher and is constantly picking their brains in the dugout between innings and discussing that. I thought it was a really cool look at just kind of the way that he not only approaches like, you know, just his own, you know, performance, both from a defensive and offensive perspective, but just the game as a whole and life as a whole, really, it just seen it shed a lot of really great light on kind of what the Cubs got when they signed him to a seven year deal. And I was just kind of looking at your kind of thoughts on what we had seen from Dansby Swanson in that story. Yeah, I love I love the the signing even more, you know, after learning some of the things with, that we've learned since, you know, his introductory press conference. Uh, I love that he's one of the guys that, you know, it, the game seems to kind of slow down for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and he seems to not only just hold, hold himself to a higher standard, but then by by virtue of being on the on the team, he holds everybody else, you know, to that same standard. And I think that's something that's been kind of missing uh, from the, from this roster recently. I, I think maybe Jason Hayward was one of those type of players. Yeah. Um, I, I, but outside of, you know, anyone that, you know, was around in, in 16, uh, other than Hayward, 
you know, in, in these recent teams, I, I don't know that I could name somebody else that, you know, you could descri- describe along those terms. Uh, what, I, what I loved about, you know, about that piece more so than, say, the quotes or, or the quotes about Swanson or from him uh, was just the, the mention that, you know, he actually came to the Cubs uh, in their meeting uh, in Atlanta. I think they had dinner together, right, with uh, mm-hmm. Carter and, and, and Jed. Yep. And he actually had questions for them as, as to like, hey, how are you going to win? How are, you know, how does this, how are you going to make your club better? How is this going to make me better? Like, that's refreshing to hear just because, you know, if, if he got the right answers and they were, they were actually like formidable answers from the Cubs, then that would lead you to believe that maybe there is a great, you know, concrete plan, you know, for, for the future uh, of this club in a couple years, you know, down the road here. Well, it definitely added some credence to the uh, John Heyman interview that he recently did on the Mully and Haw show on the score. He said that he had spoken to Dansby Swanson and he had shown some hesitance about coming to the Cubs because he was concerned about whether or not they were truly dedicated to winning after some of the moves that they had made in the recent past where, you know, you trade off all those pieces of the core. You're kind of deliberately tanking a little bit to get better draft picks and potentially better prospects by selling off the talent that you have. And I thought that his sole focus in this whole process was going to a team that he felt like they were going to be making strides forward and they were going to be making efforts to compete. And I think that that kind of approach can be infectious for an entire team. The Cubs have so many, they do have a lot of veteran guys. Of course, you got your Jamison Tyons, your Marcus Stroman's and those guys, but you also do have this influx of young talent. That's really going to be kind of coming into their own in the coming years, whether they're not here yet in the case of a Matt Mervis or a PCA or guys that are here already, like your Nico Horners. I think that, Having a guy like Dansby Swanson who's going to be that laser focused on winning and that intent on creating a winning culture with the Cubs. I, I We've talked so much about all of the things that he brings to them on the field, whether it's his defense, his power hitting, his ability to drive in runs. All that stuff is fantastic about Dansby Swanson. I kind of came away from this with the impression that perhaps greater than all of that is just his sole focus on winning and it's just it was so refreshing to read that and to see that attitude and I think it's going to instill honestly a little bit of swagger and a little bit of intensity in these Cubs that maybe they've lacked in the last couple of seasons and I think that can be nothing but good for that team yeah I mean maybe he can be that type of catalyst and I think maybe that had something to do with you know him signing here maybe he wants to you know, adopt more of that leadership role. Cause obviously like, I think it was Freddie Freeman, you know, uh, honestly, like th- that world series team, Freddie Freeman was probably the leader in the clubhouse and on the field. Without question. And I think maybe, you know, if, if Swanson can be that catalyst and he can be that guy that holds guys accountable and maybe that starts rubbing off on guys and, you know, all that type of stuff is contagious. And then, you know, what does that say for the future culture you know, of this team when your, your PCAs and your Encontras are, are ready to, to contribute mm-hmm. on the, on the big league roster. And that could be still a couple years away. You know, you could be talking 25 by then. Uh, but you know, that's why you pay 
a guy like that, $177 million. I mean, yep. it's not just the offensive production. It's not just the war. It's the, you know, it's the intangibles and it's what he, what he brings off the field and, you know, in the clubhouse and, you know, between innings, like you said, picking, picking uh pitcher's brains and just everything that, you know, that you want out of a winning player and a winning mindset. He seems to be the real deal in the total package. Does it concern you at all that if the Cubs get off to any type of a rough start and they're kind of scuffling a little bit, that that kind of attitude may ring a little bit hollow when you don't quite have the horses that may be necessary to compete in terms of their power hitting? I know that they do have a a good number of players like Seiya Suzuki and Ian Happ and Nico Horner who have established themselves to a decent degree, but there are also a ton of question marks on this team. And I'm looking strictly at the third base situation right now. I'm looking at Cody Bellinger, whether or not he's going to be able to bounce back. Do you think that that's going to, you know, put maybe a little bit too much pressure on this team out of the gate, having a guy who's so intensely focused on winning. Do you think that I think long-term it's going to be a really good thing for the Cubs. And I think it'll inspire them quite a bit. My question would be whether it could be a short-term issue for the team. What would you think about something like that? Um, I could see how it could be, but if you break it down to an individual basis, I mean, Bellinger's won a World Series. You know, you, you got you got Hosmer too. There, Th- these guys have you know experience around like intense winning situations, mm-hmm. and and frankly, like if you're if you're bothered by that, like I don't I don't know, like I mean. I, I can't really think of the last time, you know, uh, there was a Cubs team with with a guy who was like so intense that there was, <laughs> that it was a problem. I mean, but, you know, given given how old, how much older some of the guys on this roster are, maybe it will bother some people on on days when they're getting beat like, you know, 12 to two or something like that. But right. I don't know that it's ever going to get out to the press or anything like that. I hope you, I think you're right about that. I think that it was, it's still kind of worth keeping an eye on just as we move forward, just like the way that he kind of rubs off on the team. And I've never of course heard anything about him being any sort of a malcontent in the clubhouse. So I'd imagine it never rises to the level of complaints and clearly it didn't bother the Atlanta Braves at all while they were, you know, having the success that they did while he was there. So I I think it's something worth keeping an eye on, but I, I tend to agree with you that it won't be an issue. Now we can't really talk about Dansby having a big impact on the field yet because he scuffled a little bit in spring training. Let's open up the floor though to guys who are not struggling in spring training. I'm going to give you kind of the first crack at this. I know that you and I both have a couple of guys that we're keeping an eye on. Who has impressed you, Nate Poppin, in Mesa, Arizona, so far this year? Uh, I'm going to go Trey Mancini. Uh, the numbers are just eye popping, um, and I think he's one of the, you know, the the few surefire, I'd say, power guys you know, potentially mm-hmm. on this team because you came into this winter with just so many question marks about where, where's the power coming? Where's the power coming from? And when you look at him, you know, you do see the potential for a 30 homer season. And I, I think, you know, his, his numbers, obviously, I think we've talked about this before. His numbers look a lot better uh, last year if they don't screw up that park and make it, you know, this <laughs> gigantic, yeah. you know, shopping mall. Um 
so yeah, I, I think it's for me, it, it it's Mancini right now. The two homers, what five seventy nine? He's hitting five seventy nine with a fourteen hundred OPS. That's yeah, I'll take that. As far as I know, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I think that. I've been very impressed, frankly, with the way Ian Happ has kind of been handling his business so far for the Cubs. I think that there's been so many questions about whether or not he's going to hit free agency, if he's going to re-sign with the Cubs. He's saying all the right things about how he would like to be in Chicago. I think that he's sending signals that he's open to signing a deal. Now, whether the Cubs want to meet him where he's at in terms of his financial demands, I think is going to remain to be seen just based on the fact that we've seen the free agent well kind of you know, dry up a little bit as the uh, spring has gone along with all the new extensions that have been announced. So I think that Ian Happ's going to be in a position where he can potentially cash in, whether that's going to be with the Cubs or elsewhere, but he hasn't seemed to let it, you know, really impact him at the plate. He's leading the team with uh, five RBIs so far tied for the team lead with the other guy. I wanted to just hit on a little bit, David Bodie, dude. David yeah. Bodie's been having a pretty good spring. He's been putting some good charges into the ball. I know that uh, the Arizona air can be favorable in those situations, but I know that we've talked a lot about this team and kind of the backup situations at a couple of infield spots. And David Bodie, not technically on the 40-man roster right now, I don't think. I think he's technically a non-roster invitee just because yeah. he had been on the 60-day injured list last season. What are your uh, handicapping odds here that they're going to end up finding a role for a David Bodie who can play both second and third base? Oh, I think, I mean, if, you know, I, I don't think the wisdom injury is proving to be very serious at all, uh, given that he, you know, just homered again. Um, but, you know, when you look at the Suzuki injury and, the, and then kind of the domino effect that that has on the roster overall, not, not saying obviously that Bodie's not going to play outfield or anything like that, mm-hmm. but you know, with the with the recent struggles he's had the past couple seasons, you, you got to at least take a shot. You know, they, they gave him that that deal for a reason. What was it like five years ago now? Yeah, it was like five years and, you know, 15 million dollars or something. Yeah, like I mean, that, it wasn't right? much, but like they, you know, they they already proved that they at least the previous regime anyway, uh, believed in him. Mm-hmm. And you know you, you 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 take you take some spring training numbers with it with a grain of salt, like you said, with you know the power numbers especially. But he's done it before, and I don't know that you're gonna get it as far as depth goes. I don't know that you're gonna get much better options than him as far as uh, unless unless some somebody just comes out of nowhere, some young young guy comes out of nowhere and totally wows you. But yeah, I, I think he's at, he serves a very good chance of, of of making this this team out of spring training. Can I present you with an Edwin Rios, perhaps, of a guy yeah. who would potentially keep David Bodie off the roster? He has a couple of home runs, almost had two against the Padres the other night. He was just pounding the baseball in that game. Does have a 368 on base percentage. We're not we can't gloss over the fact though that the dude already has seven strikeouts and I think he only has like fifteen at bats. So Yeah, that's not a good uh ratio. The power has been there to a degree, but man, that dude strikes out a lot. Like I I would be a lot more comfortable, I think, if it were David Bodie that were on the roster ahead of him. But still worth mentioning that he has been seeing the ball very well in spring training and doing pretty much what the Cubs asked him to do, which was to provide some additional uh, competition at that spot. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned uh, Rios and, you know, the, the, the elephant in the room in here, I think is Chris Morrell, 
with how much yeah. he's been struggling this this spring. Mm-hmm. You 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 look at his numbers right now: twenty one at bats, ten strikeouts. If you give that guy six hundred at bats, you cannot I mean, do that. That's Can't. yeah, that's that's like blowing Mark Reynolds, you know, all time <laughs> strikeouts out of the water. I mean that it's it's kind of nuts that we're already at that point where you know he's le- he's leading the team in at bats, but he's also struck out ten times. All right, so I have to. I, I guess we should ask the question then. You know, lest we be accused of being too rosy on all things Cubs here on this podcast, do you think there is a chance that Christopher Morell ends up getting the Ian Happ treatment this season and getting started in Iowa to kind of work on some of these things? Because, like you said, the strikeouts were a concern last season, and it seems to have gotten even worse this spring. And I know they really were looking at him and being kind of a potential jack of all trades, able to play center field, second base, do all sorts of things. You cannot be fielding him every day if he's going to be hacking away at pitches like this. No, and you know, from everything that that Jed and Carter said this offseason and this winter so far, like when they've been asked about Morell, everything's been glowingly positive and they're they really believe in him. Maybe it is for the best for his career or and for the team that for him to start in Iowa. I mean, I I don't I don't see how it's sustainable to, you know, break camp with him and then throw him out there. Uh, I'd say what three out of five days he'd probably be playing. Yeah. It, would, it wouldn't be every day, but you know, you look- it also depends on how Cody Bellinger is playing too. Like you right. do have to kind of keep in mind that there's another dude who has had like two, three years of pretty mediocre play for the most part. And yeah, he's got some pop, but he also has a lot of issues with his offensive game. So I think that's something where you're almost then praying that Cody Bellinger got to keep playing. Well, if you're going to send a Christopher Morrell down for sure. Sure. That's a great point with Bellinger. I think, you know, you, you've got a lot of those type of guys actually on this team where you're you're really hoping for the best, you know, with yep. with a lot of the uh, the, the way that this roster's uh, shaped right now. There are any other players that have kind of been catching your eye before we get to just like kind of the quick hitter bullets at the end of this bad boy? Uh, I mean, Rios was my other one just because I love the pop. And yep. I think I think, you know, yes, it's going to be a low, low batting average, but you're there to hit home runs. So, yep. yeah, that's pretty much it. You're there to hit home runs and not be God awful at third base. I yeah. think that that's pretty much the, the resume description. Uh, do we have, we do have to throw flowers at the feet of the pitching staff though. No, oh, yeah. the Padres the other night, man, seven pitchers combining on a no hitter in that game. And I know spring training, not the most formidable lineup. The Cubs are going to face all season. They did have to face, you know, some of the guys, but it was just really cool to see two guys, two or actually, you know what? Three. There were three guys that I was really impressed by in that game. I thought Justin Steele looked great. I know we had the early concerns about uh, his uh, arm feeling a little dead. I thought he looked solid. Javier Assad, yeah. filthy movement on his pitches in that game, too. And Edward Alzali, man, that dude is going to be. He could be a formidable force in that bullpen. I have been really impressed with Alzali so far this spring. Yeah, you know, he started his career as sort of the long relief guy or, or fifth starter, and maybe maybe the you know the the key situational guy is is where he's best served and best served for the team because, like you said, with the stuff, I mean, it's it's un, it's undeniable that you know he can help, and obviously he's going to make the team, 
you know, yeah, no question. But he can help the team in great ways out of the bullpen in in small doses, small amounts. Like I don't I don't know that you're going to see him be that stretch guy uh, anymore, like he like he was in say you know uh, what twenty. 21 right yeah yeah it's around then yeah yeah um jeremiah estrado also did look really good in that game i think he's making an interesting case is potentially being a bullpen arm had i think a couple of strikeouts for the cubs in that one but yeah i also i loved uh tucker barnhart buying the teammates the uh toy watches to yeah, celebrate watch not, yeah. not quite the uh <laughs> rolex but it's uh a nice little thing to kind of joke around with your teammates that you had the uh spring training no hitter um apparently Apparently, some of the fans that were in uh, Peoria watching that game didn't really realize what was going on until like the very end. But I'll get Pat Hughes all the credit in the world on the marquee broadcast. That man kept saying, this is a no-hitter going right now. And you know what? If it's good enough for the Hall of Famer, Dagnabbit, it's good enough for me. Oh, yeah, I'll take it. I mean, I know there hadn't been one since, what, 2017? I think it was something like that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, obviously, not the Cubs. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to say not a you know regular season no hitter for the Cubs, lest we forget the 2021 no hitter against the Dodgers that completely tanked the Cubs because <laughs> it yeah. literally was just all downhill after that and ended with you know Brian from Rizzo and Baez all getting traded and sadness all around. Speaking of Bryant, uh, how'd you feel the other day when he uh, popped a home run against the Cubs at Salt River? Did you uh, feel a twang of regret? Or are you kind of hoping he has a resurgence? How are your uh, Chris Bryant's emotions right now? Yeah, there, there was a little twinge of uh, reminiscing, uh, you know, especially with the way the swing looked. I mean, he looked like he I mean, he honestly looked like 20. What what was his best year OPS wise? Oh, had to have been think. like that 2016 yeah. season, right? Well, like when he won MVP. No, I'm thinking I'm thinking more, maybe not the OP, OPS wise, but like the best overall season, because hmm. 16 was something special. But I don't know. It wasn't like the full the full Chris Bryant where, you know, that season where he hit, like, like you said, the MVP season with all well, the 20, it wouldn't have been 2018 because he was kind of banged no, up no. at the end was, of that season. Yeah, it was hurt Maybe 2017, that. I think. Yeah, he it kind of reminded me of that. He reduced yeah. the strikeouts. He didn't quite have the same pop, but he was definitely making better contact at that point in his career. But I mean, he plays for the Rockies, Nate. I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, I hope he sucks. Like if he played yeah. for like the Cardinals, I'd be like, OK, maybe a little bit of that element creeps in. But he plays for the Rockies. They play in Denver. It's a beautiful city, beautiful stadium. More teams, frankly, should use purple in their uniforms. I can say also yeah. it's a nice about the Rockies you go you do you Chris Bryant I think that if you want to go out and have a 30 homer 100 RBI season God bless you buddy go do it yeah I mean he's had such a hard road with injuries you know ever since that you know 16 17 seasons really uh that it's it's kind of hard not to root for the guy just because because of what he meant for the team you know be, because of what he's you know what he meant for the franchise for the fans mm -hmm. And, you know, he, he, he got hit in the head. Then he had the, the wrist injury. You know, I think he, I think he had a knee injury in there somewhere. Yeah. It was just one thing after another. And then it was like death by a thousand paper cuts where you got to the end of that, that deal. And it didn't even feel like he was the same player anymore. So I just want to see him return to any 
form of what he was. <laughs> Cubs Talk Podcast endorses Chris Bryant's future success. So we led this thing off talking about Javier Baez. We ended talking about Chris Bryant. We assure you this is not a replay from 2020, folks. This is the 2023 version of the Cubs Talk Podcast. He's Nate Poppin. I'm James Naveau. Thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. We're looking forward to our next episode next week where we'll have more WBC talk, more Cubs spring training, Maybe they'll throw another no hitter. Who knows? But whatever it is, we will cover Anything's it for possible. you. <laughs> you know what? Let's just root for chaos, Nate. I think that we need a <laughs> we need a couple of crazy storylines to emerge from this camp. But anyway, I digress. It's this has been Cubs Talk. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a safe weekend, everybody.